Hi, I'm Melina Morrison, CEO of the Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals. Welcome to our Cooperative Farming podcast series. Cooperative farming is designed to support farmers, fishers and foresters through the formation of new farming cooperatives and to foster the resilience and growth of developing farm cooperatives. Today, we're talking to Larry McHugh, he's CEO of the Marquee Macadamias Cooperative. This is a story of innovation and success. And for me, it's a great story of how a small number of producers with a vision for something greater created world-leading scale together. Having that scale allows us to invest more in our factories. We are a high-cost producer in Australia, and most of the new origins producing are actually low-cost producers. We have to be efficient in producing our kernel, but we also have to trade on quality. And for me, it's a great story of how a small number of producers with a vision for something greater created world-leading scale together. Here's our host, renowned agricultural journalist, Pete Lewis. Enjoy. And I'm delighted that today's conversation is with Larry McHugh. Larry runs Marquee Macadamias and has worked in the macadamia industry for 30 years in various roles, including factory design, factory management, quality management, and operations management. He's a member of the board of the Australian Macadamia Society and a member of the Australia Macadamia Marketing Committee. He also has a degree in mechanical engineering, which I'm sure comes in very handy. Marquis Macadamias has recently gone through a major rebrand and restructure to become the biggest macadamia processing plant in the world. The farmer-owned cooperative grows, processes and sells almost half of Australia's macadamia production, as well as 22% of the world's kernel sales and 16% of the international nut-in-shell sales, what they describe as the world's finest nut. Larry, welcome. You're coming to us from Brisbane tonight, but your farmers are mostly based in the, on the, along the north coast of New South Wales, an area where macadamias first evolved 60 million years ago. It makes sense then that the macadamia is the sole Australian native crop to ever be developed and traded globally as a commercial food product. First up, give us a snapshot of your industry of the nut game in Australia, specifically macadamias, obviously, and why this product is so important to us as an industry. Oh, thanks, Pete. Thanks for letting me talk to you today. The nut industry worldwide is growing very rapidly and, and in Australia likewise. So we have almonds, pistachios, macadamias, walnuts in Australia. But of those, almonds and, and macadamias are, are the, the largest of those crops. The farm gate value for macadamias this year will be around $250 million, but it is a drought year and our crop's down quite a lot, so it's normally a little bit more than that. The crop has been grown in Australia since probably the, the 60s when a large company came in and commenced operations, but since then it's been growing very, very rapidly. Plantings from northern New South Wales through southern Queensland, which is where the crop was found natively originally, so we have a very huge advantage that we're actually growing our crop in the area that it was found. Being an Australian native is of great importance to us. We tell everyone we can that it is from Australia and, and our customers um, like the fact that we are growing it in the region that it came from. Macadamias only make up around 1% of tree nuts around the world. So they're actually reasonably rare. 
and they've got quite a unique taste and texture. They're very buttery and they've got a buttery crunch. And we find that consumers around, around the world love them and just can't get enough of them. The unfortunate part for consumers is that they've been in short supply for many years. That is gradually changing with expanding production in Australia with about 3,000 hectares going in every year at the moment and around the world. So in South Africa, Kenya, and even in China, the, the macadamia has been planted at the moment. But even so, we don't believe that we'll, we'll ever be anywhere near the size of, of any of the other tree nuts. We'll always be rare and special. As you say, it's been a pretty character-building time uh, for this industry to get to where it is. Like many co-ops, you came about to solve a very common problem in farming, a glut. Can you tell us how your co-op started and uh, what it actually does? So I think like many industries, someone had a good idea to put a plant in the ground, but they never thought about how they were going to sell it. And in the late 70s, there were a lot of trees being planted around the Northern Rivers regions of New South Wales, but there wasn't a lot of selling going on. And the group of growers who were growing at that time found that they weren't able to sell their crop for a reasonable price. And without forming a co-op, they couldn't see much future in the industry. So a few of them got together and decided to, to create a co-op to process their macadamias and to sell them. One of those founding members is actually Phil Zadro, who is now the largest single macadamia grower in the world. So he's certainly stayed with us for a long time and has been a bit, very big influence in it. The company now um, processes macadamias and sells them around the world. Marquee Macadamias is the processing company. It's owned by growers. Marquee Marketing is the company that sells all the macadamias from our growers here. And it's owned currently owned by Marquee Macadamias, but we're in the middle of taking on a shareholder who is another big grower-owned processor in South Africa. Once we've done that, we will be by far and away the biggest macadamia marketing company in the world. The structure of our, our company is that uh, we believe that, that we have to be market-driven. We must create new market as we move forward, otherwise our growers will not be profitable. So our aim is always to keep our growers profitable, keep their farm value up. So we're trying to get scale and show some leadership in the world market and start creating new world markets. Now, Marquee Macadamias is an interesting cooperative in the sense that it consists of members right across the production process chain, from picking to processing and marketing. Tell us a bit about your structure. Yeah, so Marquee Macadamias is, is owned by the growers and Marquee Marketing that sells all the product for them is owned by Marquee Macadamias. We sell to a lot of manufacturers and retailers around the world, some of the big brand names, and they really like the fact that we're able to take them to our growers, to our processing, introduce them to the people who are doing the paperwork and selling the macadamias to them. It's very important for them to understand the whole production chain. So we found it extremely useful to, be, to have this structure. It's also very important for us that we drive market growth over time. And having the marketing company there is, is, is one of our big strengths. World production is growing very quickly at the moment, and we believe that it's essential that we keep driving market growth. So having elements in all parts of the supply chain allows us to be adaptable. We can adapt to what customers are asking us for. So sometimes a customer may ask for a particular sort of product, and we can, we can do that right from the farm, through the factories, and through our marketing. So it's certainly been very good to us this, having this structure. Now, it started off, as you said, quite modestly, uh, just three members and has grown uh, quite spectacularly. What do you think were the main drivers? What attracted more and more growers to, uh, to your organisation? 
I think that's changed over time. So at the beginning, um, there was a fear amongst growers that they would not be able to sell their product. And the company provided them a processing and marketing source place to sell their, their product. Over time, as the industry grew, the market became more secure. And I think the fact that our company was providing very good returns continuously and was able to survive all the hard times while other players fell around us and we're still there today has been very important. But recently, the industry has been changing quite rapidly. Originally, growers were normally smaller scale in the Northern Rivers. As the industry has grown, we've attracted more attention from uh, bigger, bigger farmers and corporate farmers. So now the scale of plantings is changing dramatically and people are pumping hundreds of millions of dollars into orchards. They want to know that they have a company that can sell all that product as it comes on, but they also want to be able to have a say in that company. So being part of a co-op means that you know, these big growers can come in and talk to us, can talk about the future and work with us to ensure that when their product comes in, that we're still able to sell it and provide them the returns that they need. And what about growing pains? Clearly, you can't go from something quite small to something quite significant without a few people having an arm wrestle. Oh, look, there are, there are always growing pains, but I think you know, part, part of being a cooperative is that you do have a common goal in place. So over time, there's def definitely been some arm wrestles about the direction we should go. But we have a board that's been with the company for quite some time. Phil Zadro, who I mentioned earlier, has been with the company all the time since 1983. And there's a lot of management too who've been there a long time. So I think that it's relatively easy for us to agree on the strategic direction for the company. It probably just comes down to minor details in the long run. Of course, funding is also an issue that when the industry is expanding, we need to expand quickly as well. And getting enough funding to, to do that can sometimes be difficult. It's been a big year for Marquis Macadamia. So tell us about your recent rebranding and the consolidation experience and how and why did that come about? So, as I said, we've been around since 1983 and um, we've had several names across that time. When we started, we were Macadamia Processing Company, MPC, and um, locally around the Northern Rivers, we were known as Macadamia Magic. We had a brand on all our boxes, was International Macadamias. Then we had a second brand called Growers' Choice. In 2011, we bought a 50% share in Pacific Gold Macadamias in Bundaberg. So Pacific Gold Macadamias also came into our stable of names. At that time, we also created Macadamia Marketing International, which was our selling company. So what was happening was that the first 10 minutes of conversations with customers, growers, all our stakeholders, was trying to describe how our company actually fitted together and who was who. So it became quite, in 2019, MPC, as it was then, acquired the remaining shares in Pacific Gold Macadamias and we became one. At that point, it became clear that we really needed to be one entity rather than all these different names. So in order to build a platform for future growth, we just had to rebrand and bring everything under, under one name. So that's what we've done this year. It's been an effort, but we have got there. So we're now Marquee, Marquee Macadamias. And specifically, how did you manage to add value, profitability and resilience to farmers' incomes from advanced food manufacturing through this consolidation process? I think this is the first step. We've We've got a longer-term strategic plan which says we need to do more value-adding, particularly selling uh, private label and our own label overseas and starting to add our macadamias into other products, say mixed nuts and maybe you know, muesli bars or some, something like that. We haven't fully um, scoped it out yet. But to do that, we needed a strong platform. We couldn't do that with all these multiple brand names. So the first step here is that we're providing a platform for the future. 
And in there, we're also building a bit of resilience. We've now got a lot of scale, as you mentioned previously, we, we sell nearly 50% of the Australian crop. Having that scale allows us to invest more in our factories. So we are a high cost producer in Australia and most of the new origins producing are actually low cost producers. So we have to trade, we have to be efficient in, in producing our kernel, but we also have to trade on quality. So we spend a lot of time making sure we have the best technology in place. One of the items that we, we have that no one else in the world has is a past, pasteurization of our product. And we would not have been able to do that unless we had the scale that we have. So this is the beginning, the beginning of, of more resilience and, and more return to growers, but a very important step. What keeps you up at night? Uh, what, are the, what are the challenges, the imminent challenges, uh, and I guess the opportunities that you see out there? I think that's the key, that in challenges are always opportunities. And what keeps me awake at night is my mind ticking over about what's happening next in the world, where we're heading, where we're going. We export 70% of our product and we have very diverse markets. So you know, we, we sell throughout Asia, USA, Europe, China and Australia. But if there's a hiccup in any of those markets, then it can affect us. And COVID-19 is a, is a very good example of, of what can happen virtually overnight with, with markets. So we're always trying to think ahead and think what's going to happen next. Uh, the other challenge at the moment is that the world, world crop is growing fast. So South Africa is becoming quite big, as is China. So we need to keep ahead of our game all the time and be thinking, thinking forward about what might happen next. And that can keep you awake at night sometimes. We're talking with Pete Lewis and Larry McHugh from Marquee Macadamias as we learn the secrets behind the success of their co-op story as our cooperative farming podcast series continues. The government uh, talks a lot about uh, a manufacturing-led recovery, including food processing. What to you are the key barriers to producing high-quality value-added food products in this country? Well, I mean, the outstanding barrier is, is the cost of labour, um, but there's very little we can do about that. So in the end, we have to be very clever about the way we go about both growing, manufacturing and, and marketing the product. I think one area that has fallen away in government support over time has been the R&D sector. Macadamias are a fairly young industry and there's a lot of things that still need to be looked at, but it's getting harder and harder to get the money to do the research. It's also getting harder and harder to find researchers to do it. I think if the government wants us to be food sector to be innovative and make good profits, then there are key areas where we have to keep investing in R&D. The other level in, in there is, is about funding. So you know, we're, we're growing rapidly at the moment, and I'm sure a lot of other co-ops will grow rapidly too, but we have to be able to fund that growth. One of the mechanisms a co-op has to use is to get Treasury Corp or, or government funding that allows us to use our co-op tax status. That's a very, very effective way of, of being able to afford capital investment over time. And really, if we want to build, if we want to build these co-ops and, and build our industry, then we need to have, continue to have good access to those funds. And at the moment, that's becoming more and more difficult. So you know, I, I believe the government needs to, to look hard and long at the co-op tax status and the, and the funding of those to try and support industry over time. It is a relatively cheap way for them to invest in industry. Well, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Agriculture, as we've seen, has been one of the star performers uh, through COVID-19. It has really stood up and uh, those supply lines and our capacity to produce world-class food has been undiminished through this whole disruption. So I guess there's probably never been a better time to go to government. There all is, as they say, when it comes to keeping up food. 
I agree. And uh, I think it's a good thing that agriculture is, is so prominent at the moment. And uh, the resilience we're showing now is resilience that the agriculture sector has, has always had. But I think that people are now starting to recognise that we need this sector and, and it's, it's really the engine room of the country. Let's drill down a little bit. The economic and employment value that's uh, created through your cooperative cannot be uh, understated. What are some of the benefits for growers? How are they able to mitigate the risks of farming by working together? I think with any co-op, the benefit is is bringing parts together. The, the sum of the parts is is much more. So um, I think we've brought 350 growers together, 170 are shareholders. We get 350 delivering. Each of those growers would find it hard to do what we do on an individual scale. We export around the world. We value add. We sell private label. We sell our own. Each of those people would not be able to do that without us. What we've done by bringing the co-op together is allowed us to build strong export markets. So we sell to retailers around the world, we sell to manufacturers around the world, and we sell value-added products around the world. All that money is coming back into the into Australia, but into the regional areas where we're actually processing and growing. The money going to growers, then they employ people, they go to the local restaurants, our workers go to the local restaurants. We employ 350 people between our processing plant in Bundaberg and our processing plant in, in Lismore. So there's significant employers in there, but then there are a lot of growers and a lot of um, workers on the farms as well. So I think it's pretty significant to, to regional areas, particularly in the Northern Rivers, it's a high unemployment area and it really needs industries like ours to drive them along. And, and what better for a nice clean green area like that than a rural based co-op. That story particularly plays well internationally, doesn't it? They actually like the way you operate and how you're structured and you know who's involved in producing it's been one of our strongest assets over time one of our founding shareholders phil zadra who i've mentioned before has worked with us over time and and gone to big customers with us just to sell the story about we are connected to growers when we bring our customers to to our factories we take them and we let them meet our growers we want them to meet our growers and we want them to talk to the people in our factories because we are a complete supply chain and consumers these days want to know where their product's coming from. They want to know that it's safe. And what better way than to actually be able to go from the farm all the way through to what's being delivered to them and being able to talk to everyone and understand what's going on. I think uh, certainly with some of the big retailers, the, the story resounds very well with them and, and it's enabled us to um, form very good partnerships with them over time. And I guess one of the most important things about that first person connection is that you can explain to people that the macadamia is in fact an Australian native nut and uh, not something from Hawaii. Yes, um, the, the Hawaiians took our native nut, uh, I believe it was in the 1940s or somewhere around there and um, developed into a commercial crop and did a very good job of convincing people that it was their, their nut. When Australia took hold of it again and, and built their, their industry bigger than Hawaii, the reputation of being an Hawaiian nut was hard to shake. We are working on that over time. Unfortunately, the, the uh, Chinese name for our nut is still Hawaiian nut. We've asked them to change it, but it's not that easy. But nevertheless, people do understand and we, we make a big point of the fact they do come from Australia. We're growing them in the place where they were meant to be grown and the quality of the, of the crop shows from, from you know, being grown in the area where it's supposed to be grown. Well, I guess the Chinese can appreciate that the, the gooseberry, which is Chinese, has been virtually taken over lock, stock and barrel by the Kiwis. Yeah, I don't know how they let that happen, a small country like that. 
<laughs> they get up earlier, I think, uh, is probably the answer. A lot earlier than everybody else. True. What's your best advice for producers thinking of forming a cull from your experience? Look, I, I think the most important thing is that the business that you're in as a grower or a farmer or a fisherman is a very different business than, than the, the business of processing and marketing. So you have to concentrate on, on building a strong business. You need to employ people who understand what they're doing in that market and you need to put the resources behind building that market. Never believe that tomorrow is going to be the same as today because it very rarely is. And our company started in 1983. There was no internet. I think computers had green screens and, and at that time. And so everything changes all the time. So you've got to be, you've got to be on the ball, treat it as a business, take nothing for granted and take on a full business mentality. This is a, a business that can be an international business. You've just got to work hard at it. You, you concentrate, obviously, on a long-term strategy and, uh, and you're looking at some, uh, some pretty tasty new products. What's, what's next for you and, and what more can be achieved through new investments and greater supply chain collaboration? As I said previously, we're trying to, we've been building a platform for, for our growth our long-term strategy is, is very important for us. Uh, we've realised that in Australia, we're going to become a, a less and less proportion of the, of the world crop. For us, it's very important that as new crop comes in around the world that we continue to build market. So what's coming ahead for us is greater collaboration with other origins. To build market, we need access to more kernel. So we'll collaborate with, with our partners in um, South Africa and Kenya I will take that kernel to market and we'll build market for bulk product. But at the same time, we're going to start building other products into the market. So they may well be mixed nuts, other products incorporating our nuts. We're also going to concentrate on product development, not only for ourselves, but um, also helping our customers do product development, take ideas to them and get them to take that to market for us. We have always been very collaborative throughout the supply chain. We, we find it very important that we partner with our end users we always go as close as we possibly can to the to the consumer. So as I've said previously, we, we have quite a few partnerships with retailers around the world, and that's what's going to enable us to grow over time. They're always after new products, and they're always after people who can make sure that they supply the product they need. So you'll see the marquee name grow around the world. It will become a, a name that's known both at a business level and at consumer level. It's going to take some years to get there, but uh, we have a, a strategy in place and we put the building blocks in place to be able to move forward. And I guess in terms of that strategy, a lot of the good ideas invariably will come from your own growers. That's true. And you know, the, one of the benefits of, of being a co-op is that our board members are actually all growers. One of the things about the macadamia industry is that the, the original growers, a lot of them were actually um, termed pit street farmers. So there were lawyers and doctors and uh, various professionals who came in and, and they were looking for uh, an investment. And a lot of those people are still around now, but what it's enabled us to do is have a, a board of very varied business backgrounds, but all very good professional people. And uh, they've employed staff over time who, who have um, been in the business a long time. A lot of those directors have been in the business a long time. So strategy comes fairly easy to the board and, and the group. It's you know, the, the strategy is easy. It's, it's enacting it that, that um, takes the time and energy. Now, look, in terms of, of those goals, aside from profitable returns uh, for your growers, you obviously, the business doesn't 
uh, occur in a vacuum. Uh, the context of where you grow and the part of Australia where you're doing all this is obviously comes with it the issues of very sound environmental stewardship and, and the best land use and, and, and water use possible. So how, how important are those environmental and social goals to what you're about? They're incredibly important. One of the big things about Australian product in general is its clean green credentials. So we have to be very careful to maintain that over time. We can't have our customers come and visit us here and, and see or read or hear things that, that tell them otherwise. So we also, in, in our local communities, we're very obvious. There are a lot of trees in the ground around that area and, and we use a lot of land. So it's imp incredibly important that we have a right to farm in those areas which means we need to be very mindful of, of the community around us. So we take a lot of time to work with local councils, local community groups, et cetera, to make sure that you know, we're, we're being a good citizen. We also, as in our local communities, we sponsor local groups. We sponsor um, good causes around us as well. So we do take our, our role in the community uh, very seriously. And certainly um, you know, as far as sustainability goes, there's a lot of work going on in the industry. IPM, integrated pest management, is already in and, and getting better all the time. So we only spray when we need to. The pest scouts go out and find any, any bugs and they only spray in the regions they need to. We are a tree crop. Unfortunately, trees sequester carbon from the, from the atmosphere. So you know, we, are, we are actually carbon neutral, probably a little bit better than that, which, which helps a lot. And we've recently found that the, it's a rainforest tree and it really prefers organic matter than fertilizers, chemical fertilizers. So there's been a lot of work done recently about putting organic matter out, which stabilizes the soil and, and re-energizes the soil and spread for the trees. So there's, there's a lot of good work going on there. And um, obviously, as, a, as the biggest processor in the industry, we, we get behind that and, and help wherever we can. And as you've said, from very small uh, and humble beginnings, it's now uh, quite an enterprise. And you've, you've mentioned uh, Phil Zadro's name a couple of times. And I'm, I'm intrigued, and I'm sure our audience will be intrigued to know a little bit more about Phil. He has been there since day one, and as you indicated, is now uh, the biggest player in the industry. Remarkable. He's a remarkable man. Phil, back in, I think it was the late late 70s, early 80s, um, he had been in construction and property development and decided he needed a hobby. So he went to the Northern Rivers and talked to some people and decided to, to grow macadamias. At that point, now three, three or four years later, he, he found, well, I can't sell it, so I'll have to start a co-op. And then he helped fund the building of the first factory, which is still you know, the basis of the factory in the Northern Rivers today. In the 90s, he decided that he'd, he'd moved to Bundaberg not physically move, but he would move his farming up there and see what he could do up there. So he he basically started the farming in Bundaberg, and it's now the bigger bigger of the areas. Then he went to South Africa and and started growing over over there as well. He's become by far the largest single grower in the world. He's now eighty seven. He's still building farms. One of his enterprises is in Emerald at the moment in Queensland. He's growing out there, and he's still expanding in South Africa. So a man of endless energy and also a very, very important part of, of our co-op because he's, he's been there the whole time and um, he understands the business intimately. A lot of Australian farming enterprises should graft that man and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and get that kind of energy and enterprise. That's fantastic. It, it's, it's, it's a great story. The macadamia story is a, is a terrific story and appreciate your input on this, Mary. I do appreciate catching up 
and getting the inside wood from Larry on the macadamia story. That's us for now. Until next time, bye for now. I hope you enjoyed this episode and you're inspired to find out more about the benefits of cooperative farming and how to realise the incredible potential for your business. Don't forget to subscribe now to the Cooperative Farming podcast series and please rate us. Remember, in a challenging world, we're all better together. I'm Melina Morrison. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.